the hard shoulder on News Talk with Nissan Subscribe and Drive. No deposit, no compromise, no fuss. Find out more at Nissan.ie. Now, I am delighted to be joined for the Thursday interview by one Mary McAvoy. Mary, you're very welcome to the programme. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you. Uh, this might seem a strange question. What would you be doing right now if you weren't talking to me? I'd probably be out checking my sheep and making sure they were okay, or I might be planting flowers or vegetables or something like that. Uh, or I just could be sitting on my arse reading a magazine. <laughs> I'm as free as a bird these days. Do you like that? I do. I do like that, actually. I like it more than working. Well, no, I mean, obviously one needs to work, but I think the days of working just to keep going are gone for me. Do you know, um, uh, it's it's been it's been the, the, the lockdown and the sort of necessary sort of withdrawal from the world has taught me a fair bit about myself. And one thing is that I, I don't miss acting. I don't miss I do like show business. I, I like the fun of it. I like the the people in it. I'm not sure about sort of, you know, imprisoning myself in a rehearsal room and getting a show together anymore. But I do like sort of jazz hands type thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, dare I say, it, does it sound like you're semi-retired? Is that the way you describe it from acting? Um. I'm not semi-retired. I've <laughs> what I've done is I think I don't know yet. You know the way I don't think anybody really knows what's going on in their heads now as the lockdown is easing and normality seems to be beckoning. It it doesn't seem to be uh, it's it, nothing is clear for me at the moment mm. anyway. And um so I don't want to say retired because you know everybody says that's the, the well-worn phrase never say never. I mean, if something wonderful dropped in my lap, I w- certainly would not be retired. Okay. But I'm not going to kill myself, to, you know. And, and to be honest with you too, Kieran, and I mean, it's a thing, it's a well-bashed drum at this stage. But once you get past a certain age, the kind of stuff that's there for you to do, I mean, with the very honourable exception of Michael Scott, the producer who always gave me good work, I mean, uh, the stuff that I'm asked to audition to do these days, just it wouldn't even, you know, it's it's very uninspiring. So I just don't, I don't, I, I, I'd rather, you know, as I say, t- talk to you or do the Today Show on, on RTE or whatever. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really pushed, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind I'm of very... curious about that. What, what, what do you mean they're very uninspiring, these roles you're being offered? Well... I suppose it's just that, Karen. I mean, maybe somebody else said, oh, that's great, Cracker, I'd like to do that. And I kind of go, just for me, I'm kind of going, you know, do I want to put myself out? Do I want to drive to Dublin and pay for a self-tape and drive back again and do that for this part? And for a while, it was like an adventure. It was like starting out again. And it was, this is great. And, you know, God, sure, I'm tight, great. I'm game old bird, you know. And then eventually you kind of go, do you know something? Nah, I'm not doing that anymore, and um, uh, and 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 I'm I'm happy I've come to that conclusion. I mean, the only I mean, the only I think anxiety is 
what is in the place of it. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. that's all I've ever known in my working life. And um, I'm not prepared to give up working as such. I just don't know where it's going to take me. But if I don't say, if I don't leave the field open, then I'm never going to know. If, do, you, do you know what I mean? If you, yeah. I'm never going to know if there's something out there that I actually really want to do. But if I keep on doing stuff just to say, keep the, the you know, to keep the, the coffers f- filled, I, you know, I'm, I'm ended up going to be doing stuff I don't want to do. Uh, and then there might be stuff that I could be, I could have been free to do. Do you know, it's, it's, but it's a thing like you, you just never know in, in this business, you never know. You could think you're, I've, I've thought I've been over and done so many times and then something has come my way, you know, so. But I don't take it that seriously. Like I don't, I don't take that kind of thing. I was, go- I was going to ask you about that. I mean, like if if you were younger or a younger person, maybe not a younger version of you, but a younger person when they have that those issues maybe facing them, they could have a crisis of identity. You sound like you're kind of comfortable enough with it. I am, and I think that comes with age too. You know, I think you kind of know who you are and. Um, I'm lucky enough to kind of live in a nice part of the country and I get on extremely well with my my other half and and and, and I have lots to fulfill me. I, th- I think I, I, I have I have stuff that that I mean, there's lots of stuff that really annoys me and angers me. But there's there's a lot of stuff that I have to live for if suddenly, you know, the curtain came down permanently on my acting career. Do you know what I mean? Um, and and I, I was actually thinking about it the other day. I think an awful lot of the time I went into acting just because I liked the company of the people I was with. Do you know what I mean? I, <laughs> yeah. I didn't have any other um, context to be in their company except to work with them. And like that was certainly for Glen Rowe anyway, um, because we loved one another and we had a, just a very loving family kind of atmosphere. And that was certainly that. And then like, who doesn't want to pitch up and meet John Kenny four times a week because he's so funny and so lovely you know there's that kind of thing but actually I, I just as prefer to sit down and have a cup of coffee with John Kenny and and chew the fat as opposed to act do you know what I mean it's yeah. just it's it's just it was just a context to be with people that's not to say as I say if something that really lit me up came my way that I wouldn't do it it's just that you know nothing has has come my way that I, I go, God, I, I really, really jumped through hoops to do this. Do you know? Did Were you conscious of that, say, when you were doing Glen Row, that that, you know, that you just kind of followed in people into this because you like their company? Or is that something, again, that you've just realised with age? I've re- I kind of realised with age. Glen Row is a different thing, too, in the sense that it's different to theatre, obviously, and indeed radio or anything, because you've got a crew and you've got to sort of, you've got to sort of, you know, other people have got other jobs to do other than act. And there was a lovely sense of community and sort of a communal effort. And it'll never be replaced, in in my opinion, because it really was a genuinely happy show. And anyone who's ever worked on it will tell you that. And you don't so much get that in theatre, because by the time you're working with the crew or you come in to say, if you're, a long time since I've been doing a show where there was well no that's not true I was in the gate last year but 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 like where there's other people uh like the the the, the stage hands and the lighting people or whatever it is um they're just 
you know, you don't have that relationship. But when you're with a TV crew, you have that relationship because you have time to chat and you have time to, to you know, you know who the sound man's, what the sound man's kid is called or, yeah. you know what I mean? It's that kind of family thing. And I like that. I do. I must say, I love that. I love that community feel. Because yeah. yeah. there's other actors who, who, who like theatre for the very reason you describe, because I suppose it allows that almost itinerant existence and that you can kind of go from one role to another. Yeah. Um, Not I you. don't know anymore. I don't, I'm very, I'm very sort of ambivalent about it now, you know. Um, <laughs> I really am, you know. Yeah. I kind of, oh God, is it really that important? And a lot of the time I go, God, God no, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, I don't know. I it, again look. I I'd probably be saying I don't know the whole way through this interview, but just at the moment there is nothing, and there hasn't been for a very long time. Aside from, as I say, the work I've already done, which I've liked doing with um, John Kenny and Michael Scott, which and Eva Walsh, our stage manager. I mean, that was a great stint of work. But you know, getting up and getting into a car at two o'clock at two o'clock in the afternoon to drive to Killarney and do a show and you know, being away from your home. And I, I suppose, too, from the, the lockdown as well, what's kind of evolved here is a kind of a an animal retirement home. It's not a sanctuary as such, but it's an animal retirement home. And actually, at the moment, unless I get someone to help me out, I couldn't go, you know, on tour. And that would be the, that's the simple. It's a very simple, practical reason, too, as well. If If someone was to learn the details of your young life, is that the more inevitable journey? rather than acting, that you would end up on a farm or on land caring for animals? Well, <laughs> you're way too young to remember, but there used to be a programme years ago called Daktari, and it was about a, a, a vet in the bush in Africa. And that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a vet in the bush in Africa. And then I wanted to be an artist, but I grew up in a very conservative Irish household and my father soon knocked those. <laughs> <laughs> that was knocked out. I was, was sort of, I was divested of that little fantasy. And uh, I was always artistic I, in the sense that I was always drawing or, you know, I, I loved, uh, you know, I loved the films of the 1930s and 40s. And I, I kind of just ate them up on, on maybe, it used to be Saturday afternoon that showed the black and white movies. And I, eat them up and all of that um and then I kind of just of course this is another thing another exploration uh is I often wondered is it just that I kind of liked the clothes and then I thought I liked the acting but it was actually the clothes (laughs) (laughs) so I'm completely mixed up I might as well be a you know 16 year old I have no idea where I am at the moment at all well when you left home then I mean was that an opportunity to express did you see it as an opportunity to express some of those kind of artistic abilities and interests or or what what was the plan when you came to Dublin from Westmeath well first of all the plan was I mean this is you know I I also I said I wanted to be an artist then I wanted to be a vet I also wanted to be a rock journalist and I want I came to Dublin specifically to go to gigs to go to to you know the many many live gigs that were around Dublin at the time and I got a job in the Department of Agriculture. It never left me. And uh, 
but it was it was basically a means to an end to I used to go to gigs every single night every night of the week I was at gigs and it was and I loved it and again that place was Thorndale it was called that was out in Whitehall and uh, again it was full of kind of oddballs uh, you know like myself who were kind of in a sort of suspended animation they were there waiting to go on to something else and they were all kind of you know they were you know artists or they were something or you know everybody had a kind of eccentricity and can I just say one thing and I hope I'm allowed to this there's a lady called Maria Cusack and there's another lady called Chris Keevney. Will you please get in touch with me through News Talk or anywhere? I'm I haven't seen them in 97,000 years, but I think about them often and I'd love to get in touch with them. So, but anyway, we worked, we all worked together in, in Thorndale and that was brilliant, you know. And yeah. then I got, I uh, got, um, and we'd be sitting out, there was a hay shed and everything in it. Like it was a, it was a kind of a farm there still, not, it was just a hay shed with hay in it. And we'd lie out, in, in the hay and in, in, in our, you know, th at that time, the hippie hippie gear was a maxi skirt, a duffel coat and desert boots. And we'd be all sitting out there pretending we were the incredible string band and being all sorts of dippy hippies in our, in our, in the lunch, at lunch hour, you know, and then I'd tip off to whatever gig there was. And it was a, it was a terrific existence, yeah. you know. It's, and it's, then I met, it's not something, um, sorry, it, to cut across, it, it, it's, it's not something I might have imagined being part and parcel of life as a civil servant within the Department of Agriculture in Fairview somewhere in, in, in uh, yeah, that was the, the 1970s. Yeah, it was very different. It was very, as I said, we were all kind of oddballs biding our time waiting to go somewhere else, do you know? And um, and 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 I, I don't know because I've never worked in any other area of the civil service, so I don't know how atypical we were at that time. But we 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 just had a great time, and then I decided to uh, take acting classes just as kind of you know uh, a hobby. And I went to the Brendan Smith Academy, which was in Georgia Street, and it was there I met my very good friend of all those years. Uh, we're still great friends today, Martina Stanley, who now plays Dolores in Fair City, and she was the first person I ever met that wanted to be a professional actor or actress, because I like the dress. Um, and I was going, I didn't even think that there were, you know, I mean, I was a country kid. I was only 18. I, I didn't even know there were Irish actors, <laughs> you know, and I'd hear about the Abbey and the Gate, but it never dawned on me that the actors were Irish. Yeah. So that kind of, I said, oh God, maybe I could do that as well. And I ended up kind of, tricking about in the um, I got it you know sort of in and out helping out in the old uh, project art center a very 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 early uh, version of the project art center and I was in and out there and I did a few uh, sort of small parts and stuff like that and you know just helped out at the reception desk or whatever it might be mm. or help hang an exhibition or whatever it might be and and then I kind of then the bombs happened in 1970 whatever it was eight, and I was in Henry Street and I I I I never forget that and all the kinds of joy went out of everything, and within a couple of months I was back home. You know I just said I'd go back and manage the farm, thinking that my dad would be delighted and show me the ropes. But I, I, sorry, was, be, I, because because of the bombs and the and and the aftermath that's why you left 
Yeah, and it wasn't even out of fear. It was just, I don't know that, you know, the kind of, it was like real loss of innocence. You know, like bad things happen. And before that, you're tootling along, everything was grand. It was, you know, the typical sort of youth going to the dandelion market on a Saturday and all of that. And we used to go around on buses trying to spot really good looking fellas, myself and my thought, oh, we were hilarious. But anyway, <laughs> um, but anyway, you know, then there was, after, as I say, the loss of innocence and the kind of, you know, uh, and, and until this to the day, from that day, the day of the bombs to the day of the announcement of the first ceasefire, the first IRA ceasefire, I would never sit in the window of a restaurant. I would check every car for its registration. Don't it just got real OCD, you know? And I remember when the feast, the ceasefire bedded in, going and choosing to sit in a window in a restaurant in Dawson Street. I'll always remember that. God, that's remarkable. Sorry, so, so from the Dublin Monaghan bombings in 78 up until the Good Friday Agreement, you'd never sat in the window of yeah. a restaurant? Never. No. 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 It was just terrifying to me because I saw what flying glass did to people in Bosaurus that day. You know, it was dreadful. And uh, I, I, I always remember the the announcements coming over the Tannoy, is there a doctor, is there a doctor? And then the Navin bus came in and half the back of it was blown off. And it was just, I mean, and I'm, you know, I'm getting quite emotional even thinking about it. It was, it was a dreadful, dreadful day. And I, 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 I but there was that weird, weird, coolness came over me some kind of survival instinct and I was in Henry Street and I went okay and then somebody said there's a bomb in North Earl Street so I kind of and who was I going I have to get to bus hours because I have to get the bus home you know that was yeah. in my head and um so I plotted my I plotted my route down to go down Abbey Street and of course I passed the whole thing you know I mean I I, I'm, I'm not going to go into any horrific things because I didn't see that horrific things but I, I saw the, the dreadful panic and the fear and the melee around the site where one of the bombs went off and I remember then I got on the bus and the bus went you know in, in all of this I think people just said let's just get people out of town let's just get people out of town and I will never forget you know getting off the bus my mother came to collect me now, my mum was always, she would always hide her anxiety, you know. Mm. And she said, oh, I knew you'd be fine because there was no mobile phones, you know, and you couldn't get to a phone because the queues are miles long and, you know, you couldn't you couldn't ring home and say, I'm okay. So and she just had to turn up at the bus stop and hope you'd be turned, on it. Yeah, she turned up at the bus because that's what she always did every Friday. And then my dad, when I came in, my poor dad was sitting, watching the the... Tell you know the the television watching it unfold, and he was literally clammy. He was I I came over and just threw my arms around him, because like all men in those days, he couldn't express himself, but he was beside himself with worry and fear. And you know, and I think then and there I said I can't because I'm an only child. So I think I, I said I, I don't think I can do this to them again. Do you know what I mean? And I, I, and and as well. 
there was never that ease anymore going out. And for me, there wasn't. I'm sure lots of people. Um, so, um, you know, it, it was, but that was, so then that had a huge bearing on whether I, I, I stayed or went. So I, I came home a couple of months after that. Um, and then stayed home until I was 26 and then went back up again. Yeah. And to follow my acting dream, you know, because I kind of went, well, I don't know how to do anything <laughs> except act. That's all I know how to do. I have no qualifications. I have no university degree. I'm nothing. I don't even have a secretarial course, which we all had, to, we should have done. But anyway, and so I went back up and got a job in um, Craftsman's Guild, which is in Paris, but town at centre at the time. And then yeah. started going to the Oscar Theatre School. And out of that, I got an audition for The Gate and that's how it all started, you know. And ultimately you got the, 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 the part in Glen Row, which we, we touched on earlier. When yeah. that was happening um, from 83, now 83, the year of my birth, uh, Mary, 83, up until what? 2000. Um, uh, uh, i Stonehenge here. <laughs> anyway. How, I suppose, what I was going to ask, how happy were you in yourself, in your own skin, while that was being made? Because I suppose from the outside looking in, you, you had the whole world in your lap. Uh, I was very happy in the working environment, like going into the studio, going out to the set, all of that. I was very happy. The fame bit did my head in. I, 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 I didn't realize that 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 there was. My father was a depressed. He did. He he did suffer from depression. And I didn't know, and I didn't know it was starting. It did, I didn't know it was happening because I had nothing to compare it to. I just thought I was just somebody who couldn't get their act together in the in terms of the sadness and the the fear and the anxiety of it, it, you know nowadays is if it's people well I wouldn't I still wouldn't find I still I'm I'm okay with it I'm not very famous anymore but and um, then. I, I found it very hard. I found it, you know, there is a, there's something about walking into a room where everybody knows you and you don't know anybody. That's quite of the jungle. Do you know, it's, it's quite yeah. animal, an, an animal reaction, you know, um, and you'd always feel at such a disadvantage. And then the other thing is like 30 years of people going, how are you biddy? And then bursting into peals of laughter. So you yeah. kind of go, I'm a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Joke. And um, yeah, so it started there. And then when my dad died, it, it really bit. And and then I got diagnosed, which was great, you know. Yeah. But it was the fame, I think, the, the fact that there was nothing to compare it to in Ireland. And, you know, there was no there was no fame industry. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No reality TV. There was nothing like that. So you had nobody to compare to compare it to you had nobody to go to and you didn't have the money to screen yourself from it do you know what i mean yeah. because say if you were famous like hollywood and you could go and build a wall around your house or have a car with you know smoky smoked up smoky windows or smoked windows or whatever mm. like we were living normal ordinary lives we had to go and get the milk like everybody else um, and, uh, you know, and everybody thought that we were being paid thousands and thousands. We were on a very low wage. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. By the 
paid tax in the 1980s knew all about it, do you know? And I'm not complaining, believe you me, but it, it was, it was I, I don't like being resented. I don't mind being resented for money I do have, but I hate being resented for money. <laughs> Did- um, so that was it. And it was, it was tough. It was very tough. Mm. And it's still hard. It's still hard. I still feel, I don't know, the, the aftershocks of it, you know, feels it, still was, kind of ridiculous or something. Do you know what I mean? Is that born of, like, and, and I, I don't know, I'm asking, is that born of a lack of self-confidence at some level? I just mean the idea of walking into a room and not liking that nobody knows you don't know anybody, but they all know you. And I suppose they all then, because they know you, they'll have an expectation uh, yeah. of, of you. And the other thing you said as well um, uh, about uh, people kind of saying, how are you, Biddy? And then laughing. You know, I mean, again, you know, someone listening to that might say, like, it sounds like Mary didn't have the strongest uh, sense of self-confidence. Well, I, you know, it's uh, people will think, well, I'm there, I'm on news talk, I'm blathering away to you and without any bother, or I can go down and I can do the Today Show, or I can do something, yeah. you know, on, on another station or whatever it is, and you wouldn't know there's a loss on me, you know. And I always say, and on stage too, I'm very, very cool, you know, I'm very sort of, I, I don't, I don't have shed loads of nerves or anything. But I think, and I've thought about it over the years, because it doesn't tally with not having self-confidence, because I don't have self-confidence and I'm very easily not, do you know? But I think in a situation even like this or, you know, anything like an interview on the telly or doing the late late or whatever, you're in a controlled environment and you're on stage. When you're on stage, people say, how do you do it? I said, how many situations are you in? where you know exactly what somebody's going to say to you and you know exactly what you're going to say back to them for two hours. That's actually <laughs> quite a relaxing thought. Yeah. You know? There's such a predictability about it. In a yeah, way. the rest you of know, life doesn't have a script. Th- no, and as I say, the nerves start when I come off stage or out of the studio or put the phone down. That's when the nerves start. I, I realise I can't cope with it. Well, I can cope. I have coped and I cope well, but like it is coping. It's not. It's not flourishing. It's coping. Yeah. Yeah, and listen, I think maybe that will help people understand better why there's not this huge desire to 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 get back into it. That uh, there's a happiness maybe doing what you're doing, checking on sheep, or just sitting on your backside, as you said, maybe <laughs> reading a magazine. What you would be doing right now if you weren't talking to me. Uh, before I let you go, Mary, right. and and listen, I've I've, I've a really interesting uh, conversation. We're obviously we've been talking about friends throughout the show. Inevitably, yeah. here uh, someone suggested uh, here Glen Rose are friends. I mean. There's an argument, is there, well, that you could rerun Glenroe, but also we had like the Reardons and Bracken and then Glenroe. It's the time we went yeah. back and we saw the next generation running the farm. Oh, wouldn't, wouldn't it be great? You know, and we have them there. Uh, uh, Grace Barry, Grace is a, is a, is an actress. Blonnet, Tracy is like a goddess, basically. She could do, you know. No, I mean, I often thought it was a spin-off of, a spin-off of, because I am dead, unfortunately. I can't. I can't come oh, back. Oh, sorry. Don't, don't remind us of all. We still, we still, most of us still get post-traumatic stress thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you should see me. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I'd love, I'd, you know, it'd be lovely in some form or other to come back with there or, or even, you know, a, 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 a series based around the same actors that you could kind of echo it because that's the way I could get back into it, you see. Um, 
uh, you know, that you could you could you could echo it a bit, you know. But it'd be lovely to have a, a reunion. We had a kind of a reunion, but it, it wasn't really. It was like I went back to the set and was interviewed, but there was not not all of us there. And sure, Mick and Joe are gone, and Maureen Toll is gone, and mm. Eileen Colgan is gone, you know, Bobby Carrickford, you know. Oh, so still, uh, still a few of you around, Mary. Still there a few is, of you, yeah. Get on for dear life. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I, I, I better let you get back to checking on the sheep. I, I will tell them you were asking for them, Kieran. Mary, an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Mary McAvoy, my guest this week for the Thursday interview. <laughs>